Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. suits you what does the, the new the new setup you th- <laughs> the new setup i mean i'm a bit more rustic myself preferred the sticky old carpets of the old place but the new place <laughs> it suits you paul it's right it's like the street. brewery have come in and done the pub up isn't it <laughs> the they're stick, coming yeah the stickers are still on that's right we're I mean, you can't put a new carpet in no we're very pleased they have it's uh it, the fantastic studios yeah. and uh, after 18, 19 years at the old place. It is a slightly odd experience. Well, you'll get used to it, I'm sure. The only time we were ever moved out temporarily, the old place, I think we had uh, we had flooding. Oh, we right, had yeah. flooding, and yeah. we got moved to another studio down the road for a few days. But yeah. apart from that, it's uh, anyway uh, fantastic setup. Fantastic. We've got some great guests for you. You've heard some brilliant guests on Talksport today, and hopefully we can keep that coming. Uh, it's quite timely, really. Michel Rue was coming in, and I, I did say to the boys yesterday. Pretty good chance United won't win tonight, well, so we may have to tread carefully around that. But of course, I mean, he'll be bouncing off the walls when he gets amazing, here. Wasn't it? It wasn't was amazing. It was. It was absolutely an amazing. I watched it on a train <laughs> on my phone, and the whole carriage went up oh, when, really? when they got the penalty. The penalty. People were watching it, listening to it, all sorts of stuff. It was fantastic. Oh, that's good to hear. And I tell, what I mean, cojones, I think is the word that I can say on the radio about Marcus Rashford. Yeah, they were right into him, weren't they? I mean, they're just trying to get into his head, taking a long yeah. time to take the pen. Yeah. Uh, but, Buffon. Yeah. Buffon is Willie. I mean, he's not going to win it, is he? Well, not, not this, this year, year he's but not, he's never going to win. technicality. <laughs> Unless they, I think can they go good. back on it? Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, I, I mean, I, you know, I've, you know I've, I've got no axe to grime with Manchester United, no. neither here nor there, really, but I'm a bit like you. I was I was really rooting for him when that one went in, when he yeah. took the pen. It was, I was rooting for him as a, a young England player, and it was a great story. It was a brilliant story that they'd got themselves and kept themselves in that tie. And the important thing about, everybody keeps saying, oh, Solskjaer, he's got the spirit right and, you know, he's got the players smiling. It's much more than that. Yeah. Look at the changes he made. He made a big call taking buy off, knew it was a mistake, yeah. took him off, changed the system as well, made it more difficult for uh, PSG because yeah. they were seeing a lot of the ball. And tactically, he's been really good at times as well. And bought on a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old with yeah. 10 minutes to go. I know. Imagine that. And, but for those kids to they're, be... They're on, back at school today. We've got a lad who's been doing work experience with, with us this week. And we're yeah. saying, it's been a better week to do work experience <laughs> yeah, here. You know, yeah, he's yeah. come to the plush offices and, uh, and the new studios and well, stuff. And I felt like that, you know, to be on the pitch at the end of that game. I mean, they're never going to forget that, are they? I mean, it must inspire you as a young player. And uh, all in the pink kit, Paul. 
yeah. the pink kit that people hate. I love that pink kit. You like it? I think it's great. I'm not a Man United fan. You don't I think, think it's, that pink kit it's is been awesome. in the wash with a red no, sock? No, it's lovely. It's great. Really? Because it's, it's not quite pink, is it? It's kind of, it is It is the old sock in the white kit, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Think how annoyed they'll be in uh, Paris. Beaten, <laughs> by, beaten by the pink kit. Well, we're going to find out any moment oh, because uh, Julian Laurent's going to join us from La Parisienne. And uh, yeah, we've had a lot. Marquinhos have been very sweary. Yeah. Uh, we know Neymar has been always like Chubby Brown, wasn't he, last <laughs> night after the game? Working from the blue book, dressed as Janet Jackson. So uh, we are Three young lads came in. Yeah, so we are going to uh, hear from Julian and Ron, see what the mood is in Paris. I mean, it's we could see, it's all, if it all goes well for Liverpool and City. I mean, Liverpool got the tougher task, of course, going there. But still, yeah. four sides out of the eight yeah, in I the Champions it, I put League. it to you earlier and you weren't that pleased about it when I said... Um, wouldn't it be great if uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer knocked Pochettino out of the cup? Wouldn't and you it, thought, no, actually, it wouldn't be great. What kind of response did you it expect the wrong from question, me? But you knew, was. Was, you knew what I was getting at, you know. Someone who's after the same job as you, yeah. and you knock him out of there. Well, know, he's not after, he's never interested in the job. No, no, exactly. Don't believe what you read all the time. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and Charlie Baker with you through until four here on Talk Sport, broadcasting live today to our new studios. Yeah, lovely, isn't it, Paul? Just on London Bridge. And uh, somebody else who just joined us in the studio, the quite pitches. taken by what he's seen. Mm. And, you know, he's not easily impressed. No. Uh, <laughs> it's Michel Rue Jr. Michel, good to see you. Good afternoon, guys. Good it afternoon. It is amazing. What a beautiful studio. This, the, I mean, the lights are dazzling me as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, lovely, lovely views across, uh, across the city. It is stunning. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. stunning. This is definitely an improvement on the last studio. Good place for a restaurant. Very good, good place, place. Yeah. for a restaurant. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, that's a, not a bad idea. Be nice, wouldn't uh, it? It's just written that down if, in the if margin. This, if this all goes wrong, turn <laughs> into that. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. I'm sure that's it. Thanks, Charlie, for that vote of confidence. <laughs> Day one, if this all goes yeah, wrong, yeah. maybe turn into a restaurant. That's <laughs> a good idea. Ruin. I'm sure this is true of everybody about their home city, uh, but. There is something, but whenever I get views of of my yeah. city like this, it, yeah. I, it's fantastic. I mean, sometimes you walk across, I walk across Waterloo Bridge sometimes at yeah. night. Maybe when I've had a couple of beers, which helps. Yeah. I get a, I, I'm I, in the kinks. I get a, I get a bit choked <laughs> up. I get a funny feeling inside of me yeah. as the song goes. And I think it, there is something. I'm sure that's true of people in Newcastle and Liverpool, I think Manchester, every city and has that. But but London, London's silhouette hasn't it changed over the years? Oh, it is, it is beautiful. London's is yeah, yeah. the best I mean, city in the world. I mean, you look. We look out of one side of this building. There we are. We got lovely view of Tower Bridge we look the other side I mean look we're actually looking towards the walkie talkie in the city and that part of the skyline and I'm sure if you go off to the top of the shard on a good sunny day you might even be able to see Old Trafford yeah, you, well, yeah, it'd have to be a very the clear day dreams. for that. Now, the Theatre of Dreams. Well, 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 actually, I used to work on the London Eye as a, as a tour guide. Really? And I used to point at Crystal Palace Tower and say, and there, of course, is the Eiffel Tower. You can see that on <laughs> so a clear day. So you just lied to people. <laughs> and people would believe you. I did one of the boat trips along the Thames once. A guy said, a site there of the Globe Theatre, and the house next door was owned by Shakespeare's brother Eugene. <laughs> I thought he's making that up. Surely he's making that up. I've never looked it up. Maybe he was right. Um, now, um, 
knowing you were coming in today, myself and Charlie were thinking, oh, you might not be in a good mood, Manchester United lose. And that, that seemed to be the case. Hey. But what a night. But unfortunately, of course, you've got a restaurant to run. Yeah, and, uh, and I was working last night. So uh, my phone was, was pinging all through service. <laughs> and, uh, and, and when when we got to the penalty, I literally ran out the, the kitchen door and started screaming and yelling. Hence, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a little bit, little bit hoarse. It's not from shouting at, at the, uh, at the, um, in the kitchen. It was literally screaming at joy that we got the penalty and yeah. uh, uh, and then scoring. It was great. Uh, fantastic, isn't it great how United have changed over the last couple of months? Mm. And, and it's and it's the attitude and, and it's the way us United fans want to see United play, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's that and it's working. I mean, you, it, it could have come in and uh, yeah. you could have seen a different sort of football, but you, to be this successful since he's come in and it's what you want to see. It's the same players. It's mm. just the mentality that's changed and it's the positivity. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's always talking positive. Uh, yeah, there's a mountain to climb. Let's climb it. Uh, you know, we can do it. And uh, and, it, and it's I, th I think in all walks of life, if you, if you think positive, you can achieve great yeah. things. Yeah. And now, um, Rashford stepped up under pressure last oh, night. Right. What's the most pressure you've ever felt as a chef? <laughs> Does that is there a penalty shootout situation equivalent? Well, I, I suppose competition. <laughs> when you put in that last bit of jus, yeah, yeah just on someone's dinner. I, I, I suppose so. Competitions, you know, um, in like for example, the Rue Scholarship, which uh, which mm. uh, is on at the moment. So you know, cooking for that, but but also as a judge as well. When I was a judge on MasterChef, you know, it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. So you know, getting getting it right, getting getting that right yeah. is yeah. difficult, very difficult. Your job is all pressure, though, it's isn't pressure. it? You've got you know, if you look at any show, watching shows that you've been involved in, we get kind of behind the scenes at, at restaurants it's kind of flat out all the time it doesn't feel like you have any kind of fallow period during service you're just full on aren't you for it's hours. full on and, and you're only as good as the last plate of food that you send out and uh, you know you're only as good as the last kick you take and you know rashford bang in and he looked as cool as a cucumber <laughs> yeah. didn't he yeah I mean, unbelievable really? Did you sense anybody else last night in Lagav Russia was uh, was keeping an eye on the on the score? Does anybody ever say to you, "How are we getting on, Michelle?" <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, there was a couple of uh, young guys that came in and they were on the early sitting. They were at the uh, uh, six o'clock on the dot. They were there and they they ate so quickly. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I went I went to go and see them. They were having their, their, their dessert and they said, "I'm sorry, we really need to go because we're going to watch the game tonight." Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Oh, but wow. uh, so sometimes, yeah, customers do ask me, say, "Chef, chef, uh, table four want to know what the score." So, yeah. yeah, I look it up and I tell him the score. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. And with us in the studio, Michelle Rue Jr., the uh, chef and, uh, of course, uh, restaurateur. And um, we often see you... Uh, and indeed, your, your dad at uh, Cheltenham, yeah. where you have an involvement. You uh, you're involved in the kind of the high class catering in the boxes there. So uh, that's correct. And uh, and again, uh, well, next week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Absolutely. I'm pleased you said the high class catering. You ain't just got a burger van. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be. I mean, <laughs> the burgers would be great. Well, though, they wouldn't they? Would be good, they'd be a premium. Burgers. Maybe it's <laughs> a little <laughs> market for you there. Well, just uh, yeah, the little idea cash of, job on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roo's uh, football ground catering, <laughs> yeah. doing hot dogs from a. Yeah, we do deliver Roo. Yeah. Oh, oh, I, I think someone, got, first. someone <laughs> got there first. Someone did get there yeah, first, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, we have, we have run, we're running the same restaurant as uh, as previous years, uh, Shea Roo, uh, run by the Jockey Club as well. So it's brilliant, absolutely great. Gets so busy, and and of course. I normally see you guys there. Yeah, we always do. We have a bit of a Manchester United chat when we see mm-hmm. you. You've uh, Over the years, I'm sure you've met some of the hierarchy, you've gone to games, and you've, you've met Sir Alex a few times over the years, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, I'm always in awe. I mean, uh, you know, we, we've all got people that we, we look up to, and uh, Sir Alex is one of them. And, uh, and, and I find great inspiration, actually, uh, from Sir Alex, because uh, he is a true leader of men. Yeah. Uh, still is, yeah, uh, and uh, and he's never shirked from taking big, big decisions uh, and and takes on the responsibility. So, yeah, I think we we can all learn a little bit from Sir Alex. A nice picture last night, wasn't it, of uh, Cantona yeah, and no, uh, Solskjaer yeah. and uh, and Sir Alex? Yeah, what a cracker! The, yeah, I would have loved to have been in that changing room afterwards. Yeah, they? <laughs> they look like they were really enjoying themselves, understandably. Um, you probably do get a lot of footballers and managers coming to your restaurant, don't you? I would imagine. Yeah, quite a few. Now, I, I must say now. The footballers that do come to eat at Le Gavroche are um, are very careful. They, you know, they 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 yeah. pick and choose what they eat. They don't pick the the really rich sauces and the no. heavy food. They'll go for the lighter grilled food, um, and they will indulge in maybe one glass of wine, no more. Uh, gone are the years where we used to get the footballers come in and they used yeah. to just go for it like mad. <laughs> and this was on a Friday, you know, sort of the, the night before the game. So you read yeah. some old programmes from the 70s and 80s, you know, you, know, you read the pet picks and they always say, yeah. what's your favourite food? Steak and chips. Every, every single time. <laughs> pre-match steak meal. Chips. I mean, pre-match oh, yeah. meal, steak and chips, the players would have, and then go out and run around for 90 yeah. minutes. It's crazy yeah. how that's changed, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah, we, know, we know now that you shouldn't be eating steak and chips. There probably are a few <laughs> stories you can't tell us, I would imagine, oh. of, um, from, uh, if, yeah, yeah, from the old days. Days of players turning up at your place pre-match, or yeah, yeah. that's that's maybe for the. Um, it's the, the book, is it? The, it's, it is the it's, book. It's, it's the insurance <laughs> policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in those days, of course, we were allowed to smoke as well in restaurants. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So oh, yeah. a lot of footballers used to smoke. And I, suppose, I dare say some still do, but um, yeah, it's 
Yeah, different it, world. It is hard to believe. You still go to parts of the world where you're allowed to do that, and it is really now a real shock yeah. to the system, isn't mm. it, when you're in a restaurant or in a bar? You go to Berlin. Go to Berlin, and yeah, everybody's smoking inside. You know, it's, it's, uh, like, it's yeah, it's time travel. You know, it is. Like, I mean, I'm saying that. I mean, I, I also follow rugby. I, I love my rugby, and I'm a Queens fan. Right. Uh, so I go to the Stoop quite often. And, and uh, a few years ago, I was invited to kick off for the French legends against the England legends. Oh, right. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was re really nice. So I, I got all the my French kit and everything. Got Change yeah. with the lads in the uh, uh, at the stoop, and uh, at, at half time, uh, the French team we all went back into uh, into the changing room, and about half the team lit up. I mean, cigarettes, <laughs> and, and then bottles of brandy going round. Wow! And two bottles of brandy were consumed, and God knows how many cigarettes. You couldn't see the, the other end, the changing room. I swear, Five, fantastic! And out they went and played the second half again. Needless to say, France. Lost miserably, <laughs> yeah. but, but it, it was just so bizarre. You know, yeah. sportsman. Well, we, we were talking about cycling uh, recently. The old days of, of in the eighties of the Tour de France and um, the kind of Bernardino period. And yeah. one of the riders was joined the French side and a, a team, and he couldn't believe how, how long the lunches took. Once the French boys sat down, once they were training for the tour, training for events, they'd all get together in the, and they'd have two, two and a half hours for lunch. And they were saying, well, what, we're going to get on, sit down, have a glass of wine, relax. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to go out and ride again after yes, lunch. Yeah, yeah, I think they've got their priorities right. I think it was um, Ian Botham said his warm-up for a, for a game for the test match it used to be a bath and in the bath, a pork pie. A what, floating? Full, what, like a rubber duck? Full family pork pie and, yeah. and, and ten fags. But in, why, is, why was the bath important <laughs> to that? I don't know, but yeah, that was his warm-up. We were submerging. In the bath. I don't know if it had an egg in it or not. Yeah. I don't know if it was one of those. But uh, We had uh, Sir Garfield Sobers came in once and saw us, and he said he'd, um, he said different, players had different ways of preparing, and he said some cricketers I played with, they would go a bit early at night and they wouldn't uh, drink around the time of a test match. He said, I was very fortunate. He said that I found that my best preparation really was to stay up till four, four o'clock in the morning the day before a game drinking rum and that worked for me and that, and that was it's my the thing dream. it's like Mr Brazil and now has Mr Brazil been in the restaurant has ah, Big yes, Alan of been course, there, yeah. 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 we have to order extra large <laughs> <laughs> extra large he's not, he's not a big eater I think you extra, order extra bottles of wine I think that's more to, yeah, that, that too. More to the point <laughs> what's in season at the moment what are you cooking at the moment oh see, well, we, we're just getting the very first English asparagus so that's, that's great I love, I love this time of the year where the seasons are just changing yeah uh, so it's really, really nice. Coming to the end of uh, of truffles, and then we got the beginning of the new season wild mushrooms. So morel mushrooms, uh, asparagus. Uh, we actually saw the very first English strawberries as well, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, so no, it's it's exciting times as a chef. I would I would reckon I've, I've told you off. I don't know if I've even actually said it on air before, and everybody says you should tell him. But uh, I would recommend if you can go to Le Gavroche, go to Michelle's restaurant, have a splurge. It, look, it's it's <laughs> it's not a cheap night out. You don't want um, a cheap night out, do you? But no. we did. We we had a bit of a splurge myself and some friends and our and yeah. our other halves, and it it is the best meal I've ever had. It was we went through the tasting mm. menu yeah, with the sommelier as well. Wow, that it was just it was completely that's the different. way to do it. Go for yeah. the tasting menu with the wines and yeah, just enjoy the ride. But go put on. some money in a little pot, save up, and, uh, and go along, Charlie. It was, oh, well, it was absolutely it. Yeah, it fantastic. fantastic. How many years you been there now? Uh, well, the restaurant was opened by my father and uncle in yeah. 1967, wow, uh, and I took over in uh, 89, 90. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's been been yeah. around. Who's next? Who's next? Well, uh, uh, daughter's <laughs> yeah, my, my, my daughter's a chef, uh, yeah. but she's decided not to take over Le Gavroche. She's okay. opened her own restaurant in. I'll give it a plug. It's really? in uh, <laughs> not next door. There's your sitcom pilot. No, I wouldn't want that. It's in Notting Hill, so a bit, oh, a bit okay. of a trendy, uh, trendy area. It's called yeah. Character, and uh, she's actually doing really very, very well. Yeah, oh, good. I mean, we're 
about uh, sports people going into the same businesses of, as, as their dads and their family. But so, I mean, it obviously it adds a pressure. Your daughter's gone followed in the family footsteps. You did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it, was it? Was there any ever a moment when you thought I'm not going to do this? No, I'm, no. I mean, I've always, always wanted to be a chef, and uh, I, I, I don't know if it was if it was just you know I wanted to emulate my father or, or you know it, it, it's I just always have enjoyed it I've always been around food you know food and wine not necessarily high end food but you yeah. know uh, it, it's just part of my life I can imagine that's what it is if you're surrounded by it it feels possible because you see everybody around you doing it and you think well I could do that then to that level because it seems possible so yeah. I think that's why people go into it and finally Michelle have you got a kind of uh, foodie guilty pleasure is there an old transport cafe in Canning Town that you <laughs> venture to for double bubble uh, an egg and stuff like that. Uh, not really, but I think Mark Noble would have been pleased uh, with this one. I, I do like a bowl of jelly deals. Oh, really? Oh, I do. Yeah. Goodness I me. Fantastic. I've got a little tip for you. Um, oh, I blum. Yeah, feel free to yeah. give tips. If you're ever, uh, if you're ever having a bovril at the football, yeah. Yeah. I do like a bowl <laughs> of bovril. Squeeze a bit of horseradish sauce into it from a sachet. It's like a roast dinner.。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ。どうぞ
I think it just gives you a different angle, really. Yeah, well, yeah we, we we use boxing as the umbrella, really, like because I, I'm the other side, whereas yeah. I know all the boxers, I'm, I'm in it week in, week out, and I find it really fascinating speaking to people like Ray Winston, who was a good mate of Jake's, who I didn't know of boxing, that had like 88 fights as an amateur and boxed for England, and, you know, had a choice of going to acting or to boxing, and like I found these stories really fascinating, and then we got... Piers Morgan on and Piers had a great story about spar- sparring with Manny Pacquiao and the history wow. of boxing and what he knew about boxing was incredible, yeah. you know. And then, yeah, with Danny Dyer, we had something to do with boxing. And, yeah, so I find those stories fascinating as well. And, um, yeah, we just try and do something a little bit different to all the other podcasts out there, don't we? Yeah. Well, I think yeah. the thing that raises a, a good podcast from radio and other stuff is mm. passion, and that's what comes across. Is, yeah. That's what makes it different, isn't it, is when it's a personal passion. And then yeah. and, and that's what comes through on the podcast. It's you two. Yeah. You, your personality comes through on the podcast. I think so, hopefully, yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely... We're still learning, you know what I mean? I think the only way... You know, I'm not an, uh, an interviewer by any, no. by any sort of uh, stretch of imagination, but yeah, we're definitely getting better, and we've done you know we've done it for over a year now. So, so I think the only way to learn it is to, is to, is to do it. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think all the other boxing podcasts that were out there that, that I really enjoy, Toe to Toe, uh, Five Live. Um, all those sort of ones. They're, they're great, but they're sort of like, my wife wouldn't listen to those, for right. example. They're sort of very sort of facts and figures. And, yeah. Um, but I enjoy them. Um, but we realised there was nothing out there that was sort of, yeah, bantery. Um, you know, yeah, as you say, two blokes in a pub. Mm, and, you know, yeah. we have a laugh on there. We crack up every week. We just make each other laugh the, a lot. The cut guys are unbelievable, aren't they? Because those blokes see it all, don't they? Mm. And aren't they, they're given the adrenaline, aren't they, in a, a, before the fight, but the, yeah. to, to put in the... Yeah, yeah so they, or whatever, they, they? they've got a certain adrenaline that it can use, um, one in 1,000 adrenaline. And yeah, but it's like you see, you think you see the cut and you think, right, well, build up the swab, make the swab, pull it in the adrenaline, pull it on the cut and job done. But it's yeah, not like that. Nah. you got to know, you know, you've got to know about the cut totally. So yeah, they, they've got a massive job to play. Look, Mick Williamson, who's, they call him Mick the Rub, he was one of the best cutsmen in the business. If it wasn't for him, Ricky Hatton would never have had the career he had. He mm. boxed John Faxon for the British title after about 24 cut, um, 24 fights. Mm. And he had a cut from one side of his eyebrow to the other side. And Mick Williamson effectively saved that kid's yeah. career and he went on to uh, do what he'd done. Mm. So they play a massive part in that. And yeah, we try yeah. and cover all aspects of the sport on, on the podcast. Like, you know, like Jake said, you know, getting the journeymen in, the guys that are the grassroots of the sport, the backbone of the sport. Without those guys, you know, the sport wouldn't exist because yeah. the prospects have got that chance to build, that, you know, build the um, records. Yeah, that was one yeah. of my favourite episodes, actually. We had a guy called Christian Late who was a journeyman. He's just retired. He had 400 fights. And I think he lost about 384. <sighs> Four of them or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you see, we had a great chat with him and, mm, and speaking to him about his life in boxing. It's fascinating. Like, he used to go out on a Saturday afternoon with his mates to the pub, and as soon as he sort of, you know, put his money on the table, his phone would go and they'd get a call. And, uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's got to drive up to Derby or something and go and have a fight. Yeah, literally, yeah. Have gloves, will travel, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, uh, yeah. what, what a story he had. He did. He had a great story. He said he was walking through the pub, literally walking. It was a Saturday afternoon. He's walking through the door, and a promoter had had a problem. One of the fighters had got out, so he says he's ordered the beers. By the time he's paid for the beer, he's found himself walking back out of the pub because he's got a job to do. 
do, like two hours down the road, he's got to go and fight someone. It was like, wow, yeah, that, and that's the that's the harsh reality yeah. of the sport. That's the the side that people never hear about. You know, yeah. we we hear about the Anthony Joshuas and and, and and you know the guys at the top, the Dillian Whites, and what they're doing, but you don't it's, hear about what's going the on backbone, there. Backbone of the sport, isn't it? He used yeah. to get a grander fight. He used to give five hundred quid to his mum, didn't he? And uh, yeah, he's yeah. Just sort of yeah. like hand to mouth. You know, the, the the other thing you bring to it, Spencer, is I mean, your, your career was heading in, in in the right direction, and then you had a near tragedy in the ring. And I've heard you talk about this. Probably, if it wasn't for what happened to. Michael Watson, years before, you, you might not have been here with us. Yeah, absolutely. Michael Watson, you know, um, everybody knows Michael Watson's story. He was, he, he was tragically injured in the ring. Um, he was in a coma for 40-odd weeks. He, he he survived and he's made an amazing, you know, he's been on an amazing journey. And then seven years after that Michael Watson um, fight, my fight had happened at the Royal Albert Hall, May the 2nd, 1998. I was having a routine defence of my European title, the world at my feet, you know, Sky was behind me, everyone was behind yeah. me, media at the time was behind me, and um, I was a young kid going places, um, only for to tragically find my life had been torn apart that night when I when I sort of um, had the fight, slipped into a coma, um, got stopped in the 10th round, slipped into a coma, woke up two weeks later still thinking I was at the Royal Albert Hall, oh, um, and I was a 23-year-old yeah, kid, and yeah, what do you do with your life? You like, you, you know, you're going. You, you remember traveling into the ring to, to wake up to be told, you know, your, your career's over. So it was, it was a difficult time for me, a real difficult time. I don't think mental health wasn't really around, and it wasn't recognised sure. then. Um, so you had to deal with it on your own, and it was, a, it was, a, it was a real journey that I went on. If I'm honest, it was a real roller coaster, and um, yeah, thankfully I sort of, you know, come through some some dark times, some rough times yeah. to to do what I'm doing today, and I'm yeah, I'm blessed for that. And that, those medical changes that came about after what happened to Michael, really, as you said, had a, a kind of impact on what happened to you in the ring that night. Absolutely, what they done was they they saw that I had the problem. I was going in and out of consciousness consciousness after I'd been stopped, and what they didn't do with Michael, which they done with me, was that they put me into an induced coma in the ring, which stopped right. any swelling on the brain, yeah. so switched everything off. Basically, they call it the golden hour. They got some got me to the hospital within the hour. They started operating on me. Um, I was in a coma for twelve days. Um, woke up 12 days later. But yeah, what, what the anaesthetists and the doctors and, and my corner man, a, a guy called Eddie Carter, who was working my corner at night, what that team done for me, because of what had happened to Michael, effectively saved my life and, and stopped me from getting any sort of brain damage. So, I'm um, wow. yeah, I'm blessed. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. <laughs> Hawksby, Charlie Baker here on Talk Sport with us in the studio uh, from the Pound for Pound podcast, uh, actor Jake Wood and former boxer turned pundit uh, Spencer Oliver. And uh, Charlie, you were just saying you you were doing a gig up in Manchester. Yeah, you had I was a on, boxing. Uh, yeah, I was on the Manchester Comedy Store, and uh, these sort of figures walked in in the dark at the back. Yeah, a bit late, you know. And I was on. I was doing all right, you know. And on they in they came. And I went, come on, lads, sit down, sit down. The lights went up a little bit. It was Tyson Fury. <laughs> And, I went, and all the audience went, ooh. And I went, yeah. no, I went, I'm not scared of the six foot eight heavy world, <laughs> weight world champion. And he went, 
Six foot nine. <laughs> <laughs> Good line. I went, okay. Everybody laughed, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, 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 like one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laugh. Yeah, yeah. For goodness sake, don't annoy Laugh while I get off. Um, it's, it's an interesting time, isn't it, in the heavyweight division? And the, but the, all the politics of it, it seems to be crazy. Everybody signing different deals. We hear today that Dillian White might be off to sign a deal elsewhere. Tom mm. Rank could be fighting uh, uh, Tyson Fury. It's a, it's a mad time. We hope we're going to see the fights we want to see, Spencer. Yeah, and I think the problem that we've got at the moment is Tyson Fury is rumoured to be going with ESPN, um, Top Rank and Bob Arum. Anthony Joshua is obviously with Sky, Sky Sports and his own. Um, you've got um, Deontay Wilders with Showtime. So all these guys, the three big heavyweights, the fights that we want to see, and these mm. fights have been made and they've been cancelled and they're pulling out for contractual reasons. But all these fights now seem like a million miles away. I think that, mm. um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to see what happens. You know, they're all on different platforms. And I hope it's not one of these eras where we've got such... This has been the best the heavyweight division's been in a long, yeah. long time. You know, yeah. we've got some great fighters out there and no one really knows who's the best heavyweight out there. Now they're all on different platforms and I just hope that these fights can still be made. The word that gets used a lot is legacy, you know. And I remember yeah, boxers, point, boxers used to lose. Mm. That was just part of it. They'd yeah. go, they'd fight the best blokes and, and, and they'd lose or they'd win. And, then and they won't worry about the legacy. Seems to be a lot of worry about, oh, how will, how will I be remembered You, you say that. I mean, is there, boys? Because, you know, we, we, there's a it's a term that's bandied around, but you know we, we have great. You know we, we said Pacquiao Mayweather is a fight that should have happened with both guys in their pom. How much do they care about their legacy? We look back now and say, well, they left it five six years too late. I mean, how important is that to a boxer that they can look back on the career and say, I beat all the best guys out there? Yeah, I think that I think it's very I think it's very important. I don't think that you know I think that there's too much going on now surrounding that O. That, that you know they don't want to lose the O. They want to be unbeaten. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. when you're when you're in a position now where we've got heavyweights, so let's name the top four heavyweights like Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Dillian White, um, you know, th- these guys. When, yeah. when you've got all these guys there and they're, and they're ready to do it, look, one guy might beat another one and, and vice versa, do you know what I mean? So, like, Deontay Wilder might beat Anthony Joshua, Dillian yeah. White might beat jo- Deontay Wilder. We don't really yeah. know because styles no. make fights, but we need to know. And I think that, you know, I don't think it's about protecting the O now. I think it's about, you know, if you're talking about legacy, they need to get it on or there is going to be no legacy. Yeah. yeah. You uh, you kind of got a taste of it yourself, Jake. You went in the ring, did a white collar <laughs> belt. I mean, did that give you a kind of... And you, I mean, you had you respected boxers anyway, but yeah. did it give you a different kind of respect having done it yourself? Hundred percent. Yeah, there's a whole reason I did it. So I had a, a break from EastEnders uh, two about two years ago now. Yes, I had a year off, and, and in that year I wanted to add a few things on a bucket list, and one one of them definitely was to have a fight. Mm. Um, yeah, I wanted to do it because I'm a massive boxing fan. I wanted to put myself uh, through it really. Yeah, I've got such respect for boxers and what they do and what they go through. I thought, right, come on, step up and you know give yourself a little taste of what of what they go through. So uh, with Spencer, we organised a whole night. We we built a charity night around uh, yeah. around me having a fight, and uh, yeah, I did three months training. Wow. Caught a guy um, that was we found him in a ring. Adrian the, uh, Pinder, Adrian Pinder, yeah, Scottish never, guy. I'll never forget that name. <laughs> <laughs> he was a tough. He was a tough guy, but he was a guy just like me. Trained all the time in the gym, and he wanted to have the same experience. He'd never had a fight before, yeah. and uh, it was a real tear up. Yeah, Jake wanted a challenge. <laughs> Jake said, "I don't want it easy. I want a challenge." This is the actor coming out yeah, on him, right? Yeah, he said, yeah. "I don't want to no 
know what you guys go through, everything. Well, boy, did we get him a challenge. <laughs> he boxed this guy, Adrian Pinder, and he was just like a machine, weren't he? he Great was big machine, guy. Yeah. Jake was boxing beautifully in the first round. Yeah. First round's brilliant. He comes back to the corner. Jake, brilliant. Nice one. Yeah. But Pinder's still going. He still wants some. Second round comes. Pinder comes out. Jake's boxing beautifully again. Then Jake starts gassing a little bit. He starts realising <laughs> what it's all about. Adrian Pinder comes on strong. Jake still nicks around. Third round comes. Jake's got nothing left. <laughs> Pinder, Pinder comes out and he senses that and he starts... You know, really giving it to Jake. Jake goes over. He's looking at me. Yeah. I'm looking at him. The ref's counting one, two. He gets to four, five. I'm looking at Jake. I'm thinking he ain't gonna get up. Oh, yeah, he's not gonna. And he's looking at me. I'm looking for him. He's having that moment. Bing! He jumps up. And yes. anyway, long <laughs> long story short, he gets to the end of the round. He loses the round, but wins the fight. It was like, points. yeah, it was a. That was a draw. It, it, a draw. Oh no, it was a draw. Yeah. It was oh. a draw because of the knockdown. He won the yeah. two rounds and would have knocked down. It was a draw, but what a fight! But yeah. if you wanted to know what boxing's all about and go through all those levels yeah I mean you got it right yeah, there incredible. didn't you yeah, yeah I mean the whole build up the training the nerves you know I've never been I think that's the most scared I've ever been I've got to be honest really? with you because we had about 400 people there and my wife and all my friends there yeah, um, yeah there's a lot of pressure you know you what I mean get, I mean you can get hurt can't you you should of never course. have that out of the back yeah, of your I mean, you've got to be I careful. mean it's amateurs we've got, you've got uh, yeah. I think we did three two minute rounds uh, you've got head guys you've got bigger gloves you, you, we had doctors there of course when we do these charity events boxing with the stars events we always have everything in place sure. all, all the safety stuff Spencer knows better than anyone the, you know the importance of that yeah um, but the interesting thing for me actually was we had Kevin Mitchell there you know great European champion yeah. great boxer I'm a massive fan of his and uh, and he was we were talking about it afterwards and Kevin was like how, how did you find it how was it I said I've got to be honest Kevin I was absolutely terrified going into that ring it scared the life out of me yeah. and he looked at me and he went he said I never had a fight where I, did, where I didn't feel the same wow. he said I never really? went into that ring when I wasn't scared out of my wits and uh, yeah that for me just as a boxing fan just gives me such an insight into like you know, it's such an unnatural job. Were you, it, were you conscious? A... Were you? I don't I need a better word. Were you conscious while you were doing it? Are you aware that you're in the fight, or is it just no. it come? Yeah, it kind of goes of in a blur. Takes over. Yeah, it takes it's over. Sort of, it's sort of yeah. I mean, two minutes doesn't sound like a long time, but when someone's throwing punches at your head, it's like the longest <laughs> time in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? So time takes on a different sort yeah. of. Uh, it takes on a different different sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. never going to this sort of zone. Never scared at any audition ever ever again <laughs> in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acting's easy, yeah. you know. Yeah. This is all right. <laughs> yeah. We had a chat with Daniel Dubois yesterday, and he's fighting at um, uh, the Royal Albert Hall on Friday. Mm. And uh, we're saying it's great. There was I've seen some pictures of the boys who were fighting there, and they're in the venue. It's all lit up. It's such an amazing mm. venue, and it was a regular boxing venue. You're saying, Spence, it was one of your final fights. Yeah, it was. Final it fight. was that my night. final fight. That, that yeah. night, wow. May the second, yeah, '98. Um, Sergei Devakov, I was boxing for this. You know, this was my launch pad into the into the big time. You know, mm. Sky were heavily backing me, and 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 the scene was set. I come into the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra singing me in wow. to the Omen <laughs> to the Omen music. A crane lifted me 150 foot in the air. And do you know what the sad thing is? I can't remember any of it. Oh. None of it. Yeah, but I mean, I looked at it back, and it, was, and it was brilliant, and and it was yeah, it's such an iconic venue, and it was that was that was one of the things that was on my bucket list. I thought in a career, if there's something I want to do, is to top the bill at the Royal Albert Hall. And I, unfortunately, I, you know, I, I'd done that. Um, things didn't go right. But yeah, I'm so glad boxing's back there. Yeah. There's so many great... I mean, there's a lot of iconic venues around the world. But you think of this country, uh, York Hall, I've, I've been seeing fights there, which is mm. fantastic. Kelvin Hall was always great for the mm. sort of gym... 
uh, the Jim Watt fights and, and stuff like that over the years. There's some brilliant, iconic venues around the country here, aren't there? Yeah, they, it's, it's the venues that get that atmospheric feeling in there, like the Albert Hall is built like in that sort of dome type yeah. thing, and the Calvin Hall, you, you know, just, yeah. you've got some mad Scottish fans that just love their boxing <laughs> yeah. up there. I'll tell you another one that I like, a, 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 a more modern one now, but the O2 Arena. When you get the O2 Arena packed out, okay. that really is something special. We, um, we, we've yeah. had some great nights there, didn't we? Tony Bellew versus oh, the atmosphere. David Hay was yeah. incredible, wasn't it? The yeah. roof almost comes off, doesn't it? I mean, AJ's got that effect, you know. Yeah. I've seen him at the O2. I've seen AJ at um, York Hall, actually. Wow. When he was, I think it was about his third oh, fight. Right. Yeah. And that was great. When you're that close and you can touch the ring and you sort of, I'd you know, see these boxes yeah. Yeah. that close, it's amazing. When we went back to doing um, Wembley Stadium for the first time, yeah. you know, since pre-war, AJ boxing Klitschko and you're yeah. thinking, wow, world heavyweight title fight. Actually, it was Cole, Cole Froch Groves 2. Oh, it? yeah, Cole yeah, Froch yeah, Groves 2 for that one, one yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's we were ringside for that. That was nuts. Yeah, and it was Crazy. insane and we yeah. were just there and just looking around and getting it. He's like, this does not get better. Yeah. And then obviously AJ Klitschko, when he boxed yeah. there for me, was the greatest night. It was one of the best heavyweight fights in recent <laughs> times for yeah. me. But for me, as a as a boxing fan and a boxing man as well, yeah. for me that that will go down in, in history for me. It's like mm. I don't I don't think you're gonna to top that because yeah. that was some fight and um what a venue, man. Yeah, it was unreal. Finally, um if you can't have a fight like uh, Jake did and you've not been a fighter like Spencer, another way to get a feeling if you like boxing, go and see a fight in person. You talk about this on the podcast and I yeah. think, again, you have a newfound respect. When you get up close, go and see a, a small hall fight if you can, maybe. Get a sense of how hard these guys hit each other and again, mm. you'll get, you know, you watch yeah. it on TV, it does sanitise it a lot, doesn't it? You've, if you see it for real. 100% Paul, I think you're absolutely right. Like, you mentioned York Hall there. That's one of my favourite venues, you know. You, you'll be guaranteed, you'll be right, you'll be on top of the ring. The atmosphere is always incredible. The, the, the crowd always are really very knowledgeable down there so they know what's going on and you'll just have a fantastic night and yeah I've taken friends who haven't seen boxing before they've had like the best night of their life you know <laughs> yeah. it's like they've never seen anything like it it's glad it's gladiator sport isn't it and yeah uh, absolutely and yeah we absolutely love it well continue success with the podcast boys um lovely to see you and uh, the latest one Tony Bellew uh, is he's not been doing a lot of interviews he's kept his head down since but it was a really interesting chat I thought yeah so, Tony um, Bellew was brilliant since retirement he's done nothing yeah I think he'd only done one or two interviews he'd come on the podcast and not only did he come on the podcast as Tony Bellew always is, he, he sort of, you know, he speaks his mind, says what he really feels. He mm. talks about life after retirement, yeah. what he thinks of of drug cheats in the sport, what he thinks should happen to them. It's a real great chat. And, um, mm. yeah, we have Cole Froch doing his fascinating facts of the week. That's brilliant <laughs> as well. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.